This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we got a treat. Daniel Jeremiah, one of our favorite scouting personalities that we have in this business. He released his 1.0 mock draft for the 2023 season. So we're going to go over it. We're going to talk about where he has certain players in the order. And let me remind you guys, DJ is one of those plugged in guys in the business. He's one of the best out there. So where certain players are in a mock draft for him, even in January goes a long way so we're gonna have a lot of conversation about that the fits so much more i'm trevor sycamore with me as always is connor rogers let's ring the bell welcome to the opening bell of the nfl stock exchange podcast i'm trevor sycamore that is connor rogers joining you in the middle of the week which means it's time to dive in to Daniel Jeremiah's 1.0 mock draft. We teased it. We said we were going to do it, and here it is. Connor, I feel like you and I have done so many mock drafts over the last month. Take a look outside the NFL SC walls. Let's see what other people are talking about. Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network. He's one of our favorite guys in this business, and he recently put out his mock draft 1.0. So we're going to go through it. All 31 picks. Made sure to get that right. Shout out Miami Dolphins. But I think it's going to be a good time, buddy. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. This is a good concept because I think people like to see other perspectives and talk about reactions to them. And I, I love how loyal our listeners are, but I also have the awareness to know that I would say at least 90% of them probably consume other draft content. And <gasps> oh yeah, what? gasp. So, and I'm what? sure somebody like Daniel Jeremiah or the Dane Bruglers of the world, I, personally to me, uh, I mean, I'll come out and say, like, probably the two guys on top of this business right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they're, you know, the high, the highest consumed in, in, I think, our audience. So this is a really good mock to bring to the table. And we've had Dane on to talk about his already, which is amazing that we're able to sit down with Dane and discuss that. And he's been on the show a couple of times. But, you know, with DJ, he's transparent that a lot of these picks, or at least some of these picks, are what he's hearing or how to feel out what departments like or what they need or what they deem as a fit mm-hmm. so it's there'll be names on here where you go what but when you t- tap into the process i think it's good for you and i uh to get out of our little shell here and see what other scenarios are on the table yeah of course look uh, obviously i was i was gasping with plenty of sarcasm i i i we love reading oh I'm other furious. people's work you know like we <laughs> we we obviously do our own uh scouting rankings and we we try to make sure that uh it's it's our point of view that we're not taking it too much from other people but um dj's fantastic like you said dane's fantastic there's so many um great analysts in this business who are bringing either their scouting eye or sometimes it's just their insider information and dj is a really good blend of both so anytime dj puts out a mock i always pay attention I always read it. Uh, if you guys out there are really into the draft, make sure that you go read it as well. And you can follow along in this podcast. It's on the NFL.com. I think you could check it out. It'll be pretty easy to search. They love mock drafts over there. So you can go through this as we are going through this. And um, you could let us know what you think after the podcast. Comment on the YouTube channel. And um, I think that'd be a good way to have a good conversation about the things that we're learning from DJ's first mock draft. Uh, we could just start it out right away. We just, without further ado, this mock draft, Obviously, the Chicago Bears are picking number one overall. And then a lot of the conversations that you and I, Connor, have had here on this podcast is that Chicago likely can't make this pick. And yeah. DJ does have Chicago staying at one. I think he probably is of the mindset that you and I have been in previous years where it's like, hey, 
it's January. I'm not going to have a trade for a mock draft in January, even though we think it's kind of necessary. DJ has it didn't do that in this one. So he is Jalen Carter, Georgia's interior defensive tackle, going number one overall. And his little blurb, we won't read, we won't read the blurbs for all of them. You guys can read that if you want. But he says, I'm sure the Bears would love to trade out of this pick. If that option isn't available or the offer fails to meet their asking price, Carter would be an immediate difference maker on all three downs. I do disagree that um there would be any reality where really they don't feel like they can get a good deal for number one. I just feel like there's too many good teams. There are too many teams that need good quarterbacks, if you will. Uh, so I do think that a deal will be on the table where they could take it. But what do you think about Carter being number one overall here in this mock, Connor? Well, the talent certainly fits the bill, right? And I think this is a good ground floor to lay because it is very hard to drop trades in January that you see. Because then you kind of, the problem was, or I, not to speak for DJ, but to one, you know, to kind of go inside, they've done this process. Then it changes the rest of the mock draft. The trickle effect has an impact on everything else. And mm. you without, you know, narrowing it down, it can make things very convoluted and difficult. So just sticking here for the Bears and picking, um, we know they would go defense or we assume they would go defense. I yeah, think it would right. be down to Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. And I mean, Carter has all the talent. I, I think when you look at just talent, him and Will Anderson would be side by side. It comes down to what the bears need to prioritize the interior of their D line or the edge pass rush. They need both right now. So it, you, it's just hard to sit here at Trevor and be like, oh, I don't know about this one. Like if the bears sit at that pick and take Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter is going to be a high impact, early impact kind of player that can build your defense from the ground up, give you a centerpiece on your defense that has a direct a to B path to the quarterback can help stop the run uh, and it's a superstar talent. So I, I don't think this is crazy at all. No, 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 no. And and for the Bears, you know, I, I like the Carter nod just because of how unbelievably dominant he's been over the last couple of uh, last couple of seasons here on some championship defenses. And when you look at the Bears defensive line, yeah, they, I, I don't think Travis Gibson or Dominique Robinson would stop you from taking Will Anderson if the Bears really believed Will Anderson was the no, best prospect no, no. in this class. But at the same time, if you draft a, a Jalen Carter, you go, oh, okay, the, we got two edge rushers that maybe we like that are promising that are coming into their own. Now we've got an interior presence that we love. So maybe you're rounding out the defensive line a little bit more there. So just wanted to point out Jalen Carter being at number one. We probably won't spend as much time as we did there on, on all the picks. We'll bounce around a little bit. Uh, but number two overall, this is one that's kind of obvious. If a quarterback doesn't go number one, he's got Bryce Young going number two to the Houston Texans. I, I don't know. Do, do you have thoughts on this one here? Like you said, it feels pretty chalk here with, with Bryce. My thoughts are the question will be, what if they do not get to number one? And what if a quarterback, this quarterback is gone when they get there? Other than mm -hmm. that, this conversation doesn't matter because yeah, this pick would probably be Bryce Young at number two. Um, my quick take Trevor is that if Bryce Young was gone and they are sitting at two and they are fixated on getting a quarterback and I still will throw out there, I would not be surprised to see the Texans explore the veteran market so they're not pigeonholed into taking one here in the worst-case scenario. I think they would take Will Levis instead of uh, C.J. Stroud. So that's a really interesting scenario to keep an eye on. Where did – who did – oh, he had – okay, so DJ's got Will Levis going next. We'll we'll get to that in, in a second. At four, not three. Or, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Three. Didn't mean, yep. to, didn't mean no to throw people off there. But, uh, yeah, I – I, I just don't know enough about it yet. You know, we're we are getting into the very beginning of uh, Intel season, if you will, where Shrine Bowls coming up this weekend, Senior Bowls coming up next weekend, Combines a, uh, a month from then. And that's really the time in which you get to talk to a lot of people who might have some inside sources with what teams are thinking. And to be honest with you, teams probably haven't made decisions themselves yet. So there's maybe sure. not even information to know at this point, but I really do believe a month, month and a half from now, we're going to have a better idea of what the league thinks of Will Levis, CJ Stroud, that debate specifically with the Houston Texans. If Bryce Young does go number one, who their guy might be then at number two overall. Cause I, I agree with you. I think they're going to go quarterback. I, no trades in this mock. So Arizona Cardinals are not going anywhere at number three overall. DJ's got him going. Will Anderson. Again, like I think this is pretty chalk. You could flip Will Anderson and Jalen Carter in this exact scenario, and I think it probably plays out the exact same. One of them goes one, one of them goes three. If you're not having uh, trades in a mock draft, I think that this is uh, this is the avenue that makes the most sense. I think so too. I think when you look at it, 
I mean, they're the two best, viewed as the two best players in the draft right now. I think I'll say it right now. I, I guess we just do we just go there, or do you want to talk about Levis at four before we go to the players at five and six? Um, so Levis is going four. Like I said, he DJ DJ having Levis as QB two, I think is significant in the mock. I don't know about his rankings. Right, right, because DJ is always somebody who says. I do rankings with my eyes. Mm-hmm. I do mock drafts with my ears. And I think that that's a really good tool, especially for us in the media. We blend that a little bit more because we're more front facing, I guess, with our scouting process and our rankings and everything. Like we put out big boards and player rankings and all that. We do that so much throughout the season. DJ doesn't do that as often as we do. So I think it's a little bit more front facing for us. So when we do mock drafts, especially early mock drafts, we do a lot of them with like kind of a what we would do flavor. But once you get to this part of the year, especially once we get into February, March and April specifically, you do want to start doing mock drafts from the sense of this is what I think will happen, not necessarily what I would do. And just as a strategy that he has for mock drafts, let this going number four overall in this mock for anybody out there that might be saying, oh, that's crazy. Levis would never go that high. It's, I don't know if he's going to go number four overall, but all I'm saying is, it ain't nearly as far-fetched as whatever statistics that you're going to pull out to say, look at how he did not play well enough over the last two years. Cause the NFL clearly likes this guy a lot. I mean, come on. I, yeah, it's, it's happening people. I mean, it's happening. Will Levis is nearing a lock to be a top five pick comfortably in the top 10. He's nearing a lock to go in the top five. And, and as, yeah, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, I was right. just going to say, as we have said for, a while here on this podcast. Sadly, Will Levis is already a cult. You Will know, Levis you, has been if, a cult for months. <laughs> Trevor, the line in here that stuck out to me, which is why I said that exact line, <laughs> Colts GM Chris Ballard has always valued traits and upside. Yeah. That's love it, hate it. That's his evaluation process. Yep. That's Will Levis. Traits and upside. Traits and upside. Mm-hmm. So, and all logic there. Uh, which moves us to five and six. The reason I was so you know adamant about getting to these guys is we've had so many conversations around Jalen Carter and Will Anderson being the top players in this draft. That So five was Tyree Wilson, edge to the Seahawks. We will revisit that in a second, in one second. Six to the Lions was Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois that you and I have been uh, significantly high on. We each had him as our number one corner. He's kind of exploded the last week. It's mm-hmm. just that it's like everybody watched Devon Witherspoon at once. And DJ putting him as the top corner off the board is uh, just as big of a statement as Levis being the second quarterback off the board because it's a crowded corner group loaded with talent. And I think we are reaching the point where the conversation with Witherspoon is going to, when you look at the impact a guy like Sauce Gardner had for the Jets, a guy like J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain the second have had on their teams from two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think the conversation is, is Witherspoon's potential impact that far off from Jalen Carter and Will Anderson? And I do think there's a gap there. I really do. But I do think we have fully reached the point of the conversation where he's going to be viewed as that kind of player. And this is just a dream dream in terms of where what he can do for the Detroit Lions that have a massive need at cornerback. And they land, in my opinion, this is just another Jair Alexander going to that division, an absolute stud. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to start to see a shift in mock drafts over the next couple of months because, look, I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily call this edge class like a bad edge class, but I've, I've been thinking about this a lot over the last couple of weeks. I think it's overinflated right now. Like Miles Murphy being a guaranteed top five pick, Tyree Wilson being a guaranteed sure. top 10 pick. These are guys that I feel like should be going much later in the draft. Now, I will also say on the flip side, players have to get selected in a mock, right? Like players have to get selected in yeah. the NFL draft. You can't you can't say, well, I I, I would draft this guy in the 20s. 
well, if there aren't 20 players in this specific draft class that are better than that player, then no, you wouldn't. You're going to draft them higher because somebody's got to get selected with every single pick. So maybe just the necessity of where this class might be might push the edge rushers up the board. But I bring up all of this to say, I feel like I agree with you. The corner class feels like the one that might close the gap between Will Anderson and Jalen Carter and then whoever is next on the defensive side of the ball as opposed to forcing a Tyree Wilson, forcing a Miles Murphy, maybe forcing a Brian Brzee, something like that. So sure. that's kind of that's Great where point. I am with all of this is I, I, I think talent-wise, we're a lot closer to the cornerback class being the stronger one than necessarily the edge rushers, even though we know that the league is just going to draft a lot of these guys. So I just wanted to kind of – Tyree Wilson sitting right there at five and look i i definitely agree with where dj is coming from tyree wilson feels like a seahawks type of player right really nice athlete uniquely built uh, big long tall guy you can use him in a variety of different situations on the line you can use him all the way from a wide nine even to inside you know you kick him inside at three tech and make life hell for some interior offensive linemen at times if you want to get creative on passing downs but the fifth overall player in this class, it's hard for me. I, you remember, I didn't even have Tyree Wilson as a top five edge when we went through edge no, rushers. And no, I you were very skeptical. And I haven't him. even I haven't even watched all the edge rushers that I want to get to watch in this class. So that's why it's it, it's I, I just kind of wanted to get that off my chest. Seeing again Tyree Wilson up in the top five, I'm not so sure we end up there. That's where we are right now in mock draft culture in the mock draft ecosystem as it stands in the end of mock January. draft culture is i like that that but might be I, a show i wonder <laughs> if we ever do if we ever get into merch maybe we get into mock draft culture mock but, draft uh, culture so that's what i just wanted to say is that I, I feel like we might be in for a little bit of a switching of priority of edges going a little bit further down in mock draft and corners getting prioritized a little bit more. It seemed a little bit more common to see guys like Christian Gonzalez and Devon Witherspoon in the top 10 instead. Sure. I mean, absolutely. You have Witherspoon. That kind of brings me to my take. I'll just jump in here while we're having the conversation. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a corner going till 16 after this. And I, no, he had Joy I, Porter oh, Jr. with 12. I miss Porter. Porter goes 12th. Okay. Mm-hmm. Porter goes 12th. Christian Gonzalez goes 16th. I mean, this is a super nitpicky thing here. I think Gonzalez is going earlier than that. It just goes to, I mean, it just goes to show you that I'm just backing up your point. The corners are going to go in this draft and they're probably going to start to go at six, maybe at five. Although I'm pretty convinced that he's on it with Seattle getting a front seven player. Pete Carroll did come out and basically say that, but Witherspoon to the lions or a corner to the lions I mean, he has the. That'll take us to the Raiders taking Skaronsky. The Raiders can easily take a corner. They could easily take an interior D line. Their offseason is going to dictate so much of where they go. That <sighs> Skaronsky, man, this is he. He's worthy of this selection. It's tricky, right? It's really tricky. I, I just can you see the Raiders running things back with that defense? It, it was borderline not competitive for much of the year where I don't know if they can take Skaronsky here as much as I'm sure they'd love to have him. Yeah. I mean, they pass on Miles Murphy, both corners in Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. and Christian Gonzalez. Well, Brzee goes really late in this mock, so I'll save that conversation, but it was just interesting to me. I, the Raiders are in a very unique spot, in my opinion. I think they need offensive linemen the they most. They do. I'm but not, like, no, they do. D- does right. that give them the biggest impact, and is that going to tempt them, right? I think it's whoever – it depends whoever is playing quarterback for them. Like, if they have Jimmy G, or if they have Derek Carr, or if they have Tom Brady. They have, they have, then they – this almost Aaron, becomes a, Or a Aaron Rodgers. Then, yeah, like, yeah, all right. of a sudden, you're probably drafting an offensive tackle. But So is this giving away something? Is this telling you essentially that the the Raiders? Well, the Raiders got to do something. They have to do something because Derek Carr is getting traded, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I think yeah. we, we will know a lot more about exactly what the Raiders might need when Carr gets traded and for what. You mm-hmm. know, whatever that price ends up being, how much they can get back for Derek Carr. I think we figure out a lot more about what they might want because, like, you know, they could be in the quarterback market too. You know, I don't think CJ Stroud's still on the board at this point, right? Stroud goes nine to the Panthers. So 
clearly he has them stepping over CJ Stroud. He he says in CJ Stroud's blurb, um, Stroud is big, strong, accurate. He flashed some creativity and playmaking against Georgia's defense, and that was a pleasant surprise for evaluators. Yes, I guess talking pretty positively of Stroud. If you thought mm-hmm. that the if you thought that the Raiders were going to be in on a quarterback, going to need to be in on a quarterback, why wouldn't he have gone seven? And look, I'm not, you know, I'm, we don't need to we don't need to put DJ too much under a microscope, but we're just feel building off some conversations here of what could be. I still think I, I just, I just think McDaniel's has no interest in developing a rookie. No interest at all. Do you do you think that he doesn't have that because he got burned with Tebow? Like he had his chance to pick his guy and not saying that Tebow went number one overall that year, but like he went out on a limb and went and got his guy with Tebow and it absolutely crashed and burned on him. Do you Good think question. he, I, I just wonder, you always have to wonder those things. I wonder if he's still burned from it. I wonder if he's like, no, I'm not messing with that again. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the one that picks a quarterback. I don't know. Maybe uh, he, number eight, he has Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher from Iowa. We have not talked about Van Ness yet because we did the edge rush rush show and he was one of those guys that nobody knew if he was going to declare. When an Iowa guy is pushing it to the brink, they almost never come out. This happens all the time. They almost never come out. So I I threw my hands up and I was like, I'm not using all of this time to watch this guy do the whole show with him in it. And then he goes back to school. Right. Well, he came out. So we will talk about Lucas Van Ness. I will dive very deeply into his film. Um, obviously, a guy loaded up with traits and talent. And if you read any mock, I know Dane had him very early, very, mm-hmm. very early, a while a while ago. I mean, this this guy's going early. This guy's going early. He just has that kind of makeup and traits. And in DJ wrote in this, he's going to test very well in the spring. I mean, eight to the Falcons is the earliest I think I've seen. But I think the point is this type of player, him and Tyree Wilson, those type of players that are traits-based edge pass rushers, they're going in the top 15. Again, it just just Tyree Wilson sitting there at five, Lucas Van Ness going eight. It makes me think that this edge rush class isn't as good as maybe people boasted it to be just because there are a lot of names to know, like just because there are a lot of names that, 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 you know, in the edge rush class, that doesn't necessarily make it a great class. It might just be, you can recognize a lot of these names. And when I see a guy like Lucas Van Ness, sure. I think that the potential is there, you know, before this podcast, I didn't do a full deep dive on him, but I wanted to get a little bit familiar with him. Cause I knew that we'd be talking about him with him going eight overall. So I popped on uh, the Ohio state game. So I watched the Ohio state game of him. And then I watched a handful of key plays about, about him that we have in our database throughout the season. He's six foot five, 275 pounds, explosive, powerful as hell. He's just not a lot of experience, man. No, red, no, no. He redshirted sophomore. Redshirted his he redshirted his first year. Second year he barely played. This year he really didn't even play this no. much. He wasn't a full time starter even this no. year. That's so, why Trevor, I was floored when he came out. Not because of lack of talent, because we've seen this song and dance from this school before. So I mean, he his game, his I I'll, I won't say his game. His style and how he wants to win reminds me of like say what George Karloftis was last year. Because George Karloftis was that that bull power type of player. He turned speed to power. He just run power to power, right? And he would just get up in your face, bull rush you all the way back into the lap of the quarterback. That's exactly what Lucas Van Ness likes to do. But the difference is Karloftis' pass rush profile and his pass rush IQ just because of his experience was so much more advanced. And Karloftis' hands were so much faster, so much more precise, so much more violent. And Karloftis didn't go until, what was it, 30, whatever it was, to the Kansas City Chiefs? And we're drafting Lucas Van Ness at eight? It's a little bit different because Lucas Van Ness is a little bit bigger. He's a little bit longer. But, man, when I see a name like Lucas Van Ness in the top 10, that's what makes me go, shoot, 
this edge class is going to be there's there's a decent amount of risk to this edge class you can convince yourself that these guys have highs you can convince yourself on the flashes and say wow look at the tools of some of these edge rushers but don't it it's not this edge class is not home runs i would just say that it is not home runs there's there's definitely a decent amount of projection with this edge rush class so i just wanted to say that as well no you're you're all over it there's a ton of projection i mean Think about the three guys that live in the top 15. Miles Murphy, mm-hmm. Tyree Wilson, mm-hmm. and now Lucas Van Ness. They're all of them. Great. All of them. All of them are project guys. Here let me uh let me just let me research something if you want to if you want to chat it up here for 30 seconds and this okay. will this will this number will just kind of show that. And yes, it's I'm, what I'm about to say is a very surface level take. But so I- Go ahead. I was going to say, so I don't want to, I don't want to take his take away. Um, but John Ledyard, okay. who's, who's one of my uh, favorite scouting minds that's in the, you know, whatever you want to call it, internet scouting mm-hmm. community. We were going back and forth a little bit cause he's, he's watching edge rushers right now. And he was showing me a handful of clips of miles Murphy and, um, a couple of them were for games that I haven't watched, but like he's showing miles Murphy getting like absolutely blown off the ball. And he's like, dude, I, I can see the flashes, but like there is, don't think you're getting a high floor with miles murphy because his tapes kind of all over the place that was because that was the thing about trayvon walker right sure he didn't have a pass rush profile but trayvon walker was, was so violent in the run game this dude you knew the the floor was so high with trayvon walker a lot of people are going to talk about and we've talked about on this show before comparing the conversations with miles murphy and how high he's going to go to the projection conversations that we have with trayvon walker but but Murphy's not even the run defender that Walker was. He's not even close. So instead, you're literally just betting on a guy's athletic profile, and he might have an incredible athletic profile. I think that he does. But still, man, it's just it's it's a different. This class is different. There's there's a lot more risk to this edge edge rush class than I think even we were leading on to believe. The more that I'm kind of studying these guys over the last couple of weeks. Well, and we like them. That's the thing. But you have to like them for. What they are. And so I found what I was going for actually worked out perfectly, by the way. Okay. So all three of those guys feel pretty safe. They're they're all probably going in the top 15. Van Ness, Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson. And, and this is this yeah, is very this surface time. level where I'm going. Even mm-hmm. we'll say top 20 to set the sure. bar low. Sure. None of them played in the SEC. Mm-hmm. They're all three of them, their highest single season sack total was seven. All three of them. Van Ness had seven in 2021. Miles Murphy had seven in 2021. Tyree Wilson had seven in both 2021 and 2022. It's sacks, and it's a very surface-level thing to go. They never reached double-digit sacks. really didn't come close. Production matters. Production matters. But you can sit here and go, all three of them, top 15 guys Mm -hmm. who we like. They have great traits. They can do Mm -hmm. a lot of great things with right coaching. They have massive bust potential massive and all three of them are going really really early which brings you back to the point i don't see that same bus potential spectrum with witherspoon gonzalez um there's plenty of players we can go down the list here but porter jr i didn't see that necessarily no, i think, in the I right think porter jr at right? least is a starter for you on the outside right mm-hmm. so it's, it's interesting man it's really interesting uh, this, it, the, the edge rush conversation, I just think is going to be, we're going to cool down on these edge rushers, or at least maybe, I, maybe some people still stay bullish on this, on this edge rush class. And, and maybe it comes around to where they do end up being uh, strong top 15 selections. I just think the floor for the guys that we're talking about is lower than what it is most years. Normally when you're talking about edge rushers that are going in the top 10, going to the top five, going to the top 15, whatever it is. Realize I just bounced around numbers there. But I think the floor for those players is a lot higher than what it is this year. There's a lot more projection for some of these higher-end athletes. You're right. We like these guys. I like what they can be. I like the flashes. I like the highs. I like the potential. But the difference between potential and reality for these players, I think, is a little bit further of a gap than what we're used to seeing. And we just need to be conscious of that. You just need to be conscious of that when you're evaluating these edge rushers, when you're projecting what they could be, 
um, year one and, and things like that. So uh, he's got Miles Murphy going 10. We kind of touched on that a little bit. He's got to go into the Philadelphia Eagles, which I could see. And the Eagles are a team that can afford to take an athletic guy like Miles Murphy. Yeah, they can do that. Have to lean on him right away. Um, that That's where I would like this run on edge rushers to start, not end as the third one of those three guys. Yeah, is number 10 overall. Right? Top 10, they're all right. gone. Paris Johnson Jr., he's got his OT2 going to the Tennessee Titans. I think both of us kind of agree that's that's a great pick, right? Yeah, I do. Um, I could see Mike Vrabel falling in love with Broderick Jones's power, mm. but sure. I mean, this you know, potato potato here. I I really Paris Johnson Jr. and Broderick Jones for me will be side by side. They're a little different, but they both have the ceiling of high end tackles and. You take swings on offensive line in the top 15 and you don't look back. For re- really, both of these guys, they're going to be fine if they just get the right coaching. Broderick needs a little work with his hands. Paris just needs a little bit more anchor strength or overall strength. And mm-hmm. those are two things that should not stop you from taking them in the top 15. So, I, yeah, I mean, Tennessee needs offensive line. We've been screaming it from the mountaintops. They get one of the better ones here. I am going to be a sucker for offensive tackle development i can already tell for the foreseeable future because what i saw out of jackson carmen this past weekend against the buffalo bills was night and day different lower body mechanics than what i saw at clemson and somebody actually somebody tweeted this at me they were like hey you know you said that jackson carmen looks like a guard plays like a card you think he's a guard so after what you saw this past week at left tackle do you think he's a left tackle anymore and i was like you know what I, I need to go back and watch. So I watched the all 22 of Jackson Carmen this past weekend. And I was unbelievably impressed the flexibility. He has, he has clearly worked on his flexibility with his hips, with his hip flexors, just his ankle flexion, being able to get down in his stance and look perfectly balanced without his footwork looking really wonky with his toes pointed out. No, they are straight. They were a little bit further than shoulder width apart, And he's able to get his butt down at the snap. The footwork of him kicking out all the way is so fast and explosive. And then he is chopping the feet the entire time. And I'm like, who is this guy? I know. This was a different player. This wasn't even the best of what we saw at Clemson. And to remind myself, I went back and I looked up Clemson all 22 of him. And he wasn't even close to that same kind of lower body mechanic player. So I'm going to be, I just want everybody out there to know. All NFL people. I'm going to be a sucker for offensive line development. It matters. (laughs) I saw it in, uh, in uh in, in jackson carmen so i'm gonna believe that it's possible for a lot of these other guys too uh, he's got paris johnson jr going 11 to the titans broderick jones going 13 to the new york jets so i know that you're happy there and he's got joey porter going uh, joey porter jr the cornerback for penn state going in between him to the houston texans at 12 so that means the texans got bryce young and pair er, and uh and joey porter jr so i i don't love the porter pick to be honest with you here um i like porter i think he's rock solid I wouldn't take him over Gonzalez, and it's hard to evaluate that selection fairly until they have a coach. Like, if they brought in D'Amico, if they somehow got D'Amico, which he should not take that job, but if they did, good for Texans fans. D'Amico is going to need that front to get right in a hurry for that defense to work. So, But then it comes down to, to be fair, I mean, who's who's the, look at how the board went. Mm-hmm. Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, Lucas Van Ness and Miles Murphy are all gone, and Jared Verse went back to school. That sucks for Houston in this spot. So I guess you load up on the secondary there, and you try not to get too picky. Um, and then the Jets at their team with Broderick. I love Broderick Jones. Oh, man. I, I just thought of Christian Gonzalez on one side and Derek Stingley Jr. on the other. I don't know if you said that, and I zoned out, but like. Yeah, that's who I would have taken instead. Holy cow. That's a nasty young corner duo. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's where I would lean, but who, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Jets need no line help. Broderick being there, great for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't need to re- reinvent the wheel there. Brian Branch at 14 to the Patriots. Very Patriots player. Uh, smart, great tackler, versatile. They need help in the secondary. He can play corner and safety. Probably more nickel corner, but... With New England, that's – I mean, that's a very New England guy. He would go there and he would play in, on New England for 12 years and be a really, really good player. So that that one kind of – tell like, that's just one of those you kind of go, yeah, 
What can you say? Makes so much sense. I love I love Brian Branch, and don't get me wrong, like I definitely agree with you. I think he's a major like Patriots kind of player, but they have uh Duggar. No, but like don't they they have Marcus Jones too, right? They have Jack Jones, they have Marcus Jones. So he'd be playing safety in this scheme. Yeah, okay. McC- McCourty's like 34, isn't he? And McCourty. has not confirmed he's 35, has not yeah. confirmed he's coming back. Yeah, maybe, but then you're relegating him to, like, if you're playing him in McCourty's spot, because Duggar plays strong safety, like, clear yeah, strong weird. safety. You're right. I don't love Branch as, as that. I, I, I hear what you said. Like, you saw Branch, and you were like, okay, Patriots type of player, never misses any tackles, like, as reliable as they come. I love Brian Branch, too. It's just a weird fit. And I feel like I've seen multiple people mock a corner to the Patriots, and I'm like... That's what they do. <laughs> They, but they have their young guys. Like, they have their guys they're playing, and they have younger guys. Maybe they want to get better, but... Well... Can we get a wide receiver, Kyle? Please, I was going to say, I know they have a lot of money to spend, and maybe the thinking is they are going to address that in a trade or free agency, but this is not a good free agent wide receiver class. No, you're right. You are right. And they already went down that road. They tried to buy an offense, and it just it didn't work. It did not work. Green I mean, Bay Packers, uh, Nolan Smith. Edge rush out of Georgia. Um, Can't get behind this, dude. Cannot. Why? Because he's too light or what? Nolan Smith in the top 15 is just, I just, no. I can't get behind that. I know, I know he's a great athlete. I know he makes plays in space as well as anyone. Mm -hmm. He's a senior player that lost a lot of his season to injury that has no pass rush plan. That's light. I back end around one different conversation. Top 15. I don't know about that one. I'll just leave it at that. That's that's I this was one where I looked at and, and just said I maybe it happens because he's going to be an excellent tester. Mm-hmm. I know he's been a very respected player at that high pedigree program. I mm-hmm. get all those things. And I hope Nolan Smith is a really, really good player. But just not the type of profile of player that we traditionally see as a top 15 pick and go on and translate as a top 15 pick. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Nolan Smith to get drafted by the Packers at 15 when he's going to get drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 19. You know, that's going to be, that's tough. It's going to be tough to pull off there. <laughs> 16. 16. We got Christian Gonzalez. We already talked about that plenty. Uh, certainly if Washington can get oh, their hands sorry, on Sorry, Trevor. Yes. I, I don't want to be the guy that just hates a pick and doesn't bring anything to the table of any other solutions. So if the Packers roll into next year with Jordan Love or Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers, it doesn't really matter. I would take Jackson Smith and Jigba at that 15th pick. Ooh. So I'll just leave it at that. You're on that train. You're on that train a little bit. I think it's you're a great fit. The, you're on the you're on the you're on the JSN to uh to Green yeah. Bay train. Yeah, Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers doesn't matter. Him and um okay. Watson, nice, nice receiver Christian duo Watson. that and they, Romeo they blend. Romeo and Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs or Dubs. Yeah. Depending well, on you whichever know. player you want in that day, dubs right. or dubs, 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 depending, you know, are you, you know, next pick is a banger. What Christian Gonzalez to Washington? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. No, it's, it's it, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. it's a slam dunk. They, they have two major needs. Well, depending on how you view their quarterback position, they have two major needs outside of quarterback. It's offensive tackle and corner, I think. And so for them to get a top 15, top 12 caliber corner at pick number 16, I think this makes a ton of sense, especially with three offensive tackles already off the board. Like I, I, I think this is a good one for DJ. Yeah. I mean, it's, it just makes so much sense. I don't think he'll be there, but if it, if he was, it's such a good fit for Washington and it really upgrades them immediately. And I, I could say the same thing about the Steelers taking Osiris Torrance. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't traditionally always see guards go that early. Quentin Nelson went in the top 10. Elijah Vera Tucker went in the top 15, but, and, to be fair, Tuck, you know, ABT's also played some tackle, but Torrance is going to be a guard only. Um, this makes the Steelers that physical, nasty, tough running team with Torrance. And I know some people might think this is early and that the Steelers could even use tackle help, but I love this pick. I love this fit. Torrance is that kind of player that I, I just, the Steelers need to get back to being. And they are this on defense, don't get me wrong. But offensively, they need to start pushing people around again. And this is the guy in the draft that pushes people around. 
would like for them to draft an offensive tackle as opposed to an interior offensive lineman, but certainly getting better along the O-line is just a good strategy for Pittsburgh. And on our left at 17. Which is it, which which is yeah, an issue. Um I wonder if they think about going corner at this point over an interior offensive lineman, but they I don't know. They probably would lean into your offensive lineman. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's it, it's got to be a mission of theirs to just get better on the O-line this offseason. They would love to, for it to be tackled, but like you said, nobody's really left that I think that they would pick. So at least he fits the mold of what they would be going for. For the Lions with their second pick in the first round, is they're going Trent Simpson, the linebacker from Clemson. So we got our first linebacker off the board. That's back-to-back defense. They went to Von Witherspoon at number six, and now it's Trenton Simpson at number 18. What do you think? I like the player, and I, I think this is really fun because Simpson gives you athleticism next to Malcolm Rodriguez and Aiden Hutchinson out there, and Simpson's a guy that a lot of teams are going to see how they can use him. They can mm-hmm. use him as a stand-up rusher. They can use him as an off-ball linebacker. They can use him as a overhang player that can cover tight ends and running backs. Mm-hmm. But Trevor, I just love the idea of the Lions getting Brian Brzee at 18. Oh, and- yeah, and he's on the board. I mean, if they walked away from this draft, Witherspoon at corner, Brazil on the D-line, yeah, that is how you start to turn your defense around. Because as much as I like Trenton Simpson, I think they can get a value linebacker on day two or three in this draft with Malcolm Rodriguez. I, I don't mm-hmm. think they need to do this here. So I like the player, but if I was building the Lions myself, I, I would lean towards a guy like Brazil. And even if I didn't go that route, there's a couple other players that I just think fit the overall makeup of the team a little better. Yeah, it's I would like to hit interior defensive line for the Lions. That would be nice. I agree with you. I think I just agree with you 100%, just how you assess the line, the Lions. So I, I'm i just going to smash retweet on, on what you Thank just you, said sir. there. The you didn't team, even quote tweet me. I appreciate that. No, you got to give it a solid retweet. You got to show respect. You got to show respect. Respect the game. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number 19. He has him going to Manuel Forbes, the cornerback from Mississippi State. We talked about him not too long ago when we went over our cornerback rankings. Both of us had Forbes outside of our top fives. I think Forbes is higher on your list than he was on mine. I think I meant Adam is like, cb9 in this class i like yes. i i like forbes but he is he's skinny man I, you you've he has to put on more weight in the nfl and i just don't know what kind of player he looks like then if he's putting on the at least 10 pounds that i feel like he needs to put on this guy's gone from like oh, being yeah. like six feet tall, like 150. At one point when he was at Mississippi State, he was like 170. Now they've got him listed at 180. I don't even know if he's 180. He looks like he's, he's 170, not. man. He's, like, he's not 180. I can confirm. And so like you, you've got to at least get this dude, dude up to 185. Then what does his game look like? He's packing a little bit more pounds on there. Um, I understand the corner selection. For the Buccaneers here, because Jamel Dean is a unrestricted free agent, Sean Murphy Bunting is an unrestricted free agent. They would need a corner if both those guys end up leaving, and they can't resign both of them. So I understand where he's going with the corner. I I wouldn't be picking Emmanuel Forbes here at number nineteen, but um, him getting a shout out here at the uh, in the top twenty, I think that goes to show you that the NFL could really have this guy in the top fifty, so he could be a back end of the first round guy. Yeah, it could be a little bit of a feast or famine corner. He'll take risk in coverage. He'll make plays on the ball. Uh, I like that DJ dropped the Samari Roll comp in here. That was pretty cool. Roll was listed, I think, at 175 throughout his NFL tenure. Very tall, lanky-ish kind of guy. Had seasons of six and seven interceptions while in Tennessee. Eventually played at Baltimore, uh, where DJ obviously was in their front office or in their scouting department. Um, Yeah, I don't think Forbes is 180. I always found it interesting watching him and I, you're right i had him higher than you i had him at corner seven so i like the guy i thought he was more of a day two player mm-hmm. i was I fascinated too. by college teams trying to screen him to death because they were like hey buddy come up and tackle and i'm like this is college like it's it's why man he's <laughs> like when aj use- brown cl- gives you the clothesline from hell like <laughs> you know what i'm saying so yes i, I know that exactly what you're saying yeah. yes so uh yeah, a little rich for my blood, but I very interest. A very interest. This is where okay, we have a run here of three players that I would not put in the first round of a mock draft, and I, I this is where there's many reasons why DJ is is great, and you should always read his work. But this is really where that competitive that advantage where you're like, oh, should I be ready for this? Wait, 
are you saying a run of three players starting with Forbes or starting with McDonald? Starting with Forbes. Okay. All right. Just making sure. No, no, the, no. I did not think to because see the next Forbes. player is is Anthony Richardson after the no, 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 no. That's not a surprise. Um, so, he's, so he's got Emmanuel Forbes going nineteen to the Buccaneers. He has Will McDonald the fourth, the edge rusher from Iowa State, who we've talked about a little bit on this show before. Here going to the Seattle Seahawks at twenty, which is then two edge rushers going to the Seahawks because they took Tyree Wilson at number five, and then Dalton Kincaid. My man, Dalton Kincaid, Utah tight end, going Los Angeles Chargers at 21. It was a big fan of Kincaid. You guys can listen to the tight end podcast if you missed that. I was pretty high on 21st overall ahead of Michael (laughs) Mayer? Yeah, I didn't think so, Chief. (laughs) He was tight end three for me, but I did think that Kincaid was a top 50 potential selection here in in this draft class because I think of what he brings to the passing game. So, look, I... I already talked about how skeptical I was of Tyree Wilson going as high as he did to the Seattle Seahawks, but I understand that this would be a Seattle Seahawks type of bet. Even if you took Tyree Wilson, like let's say, like let's say they took Jalen Carter in this draft. Okay, let's say they just went interior defensive line and with Jalen Carter at number five, I still wouldn't love the Will McDonald pick because they already have these types of edge rushers on the team. They already yeah. have New Chen and Nuosu. They already have Boye Moffat. Mm-hmm. Will McDonald is that same type of edge rusher. So unless you want that same type of edge rusher on both sides of the line of scrimmage, which maybe they do, but Will McDonald, six foot three, 135 or 200, 135. What is he? 200, 200, he's like 235, 240 pounds. Yeah, so no like, that's a, that's a Nolan Smith build. Right. And there are a lot of people who think like Nolan Smith's too small. Like, okay, well you would probably say the same thing about, I don't know, but Will McDonald, I just, I don't love the the idea of Will McDonald being a back end of the first round guy, and I would especially not like him on the Seahawks just because they already have those uh, those types of rushers. DJ clearly likes him. DJ's clearly hearing good things about him, and I'm not saying that Will McDonald can't be a good pro. That's not what I'm saying at all. Just for the Seahawks specifically, this is one that I kind of wanted to point out where I was like, eh. I think it's a little repetitive for the Seahawks is all I'm saying. Well, I, I mean, repetitive. How many edge guys are they going to have here? You brought up, okay, so they take Tyree Wilson, different edge. They have Inchenu Owosu, who had a great season. Uchenu and Owosu. Boye Mape, who they just used the 40th pick on in the draft for. Mm-hmm. Daryl Taylor just had almost 10 sacks. He's under contract for next year. <laughs> right, yeah. Where yeah, the hell is Will McDonald playing on this football team? So... Know. Once again, I like this isn't like we're this is these aren't shots directed at DJ. No, of course not. We're just, these are just fun things talking about, about the mock. These are things, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, that should be the bio of the show. Just two guys having fun talking about a mock. <laughs> you know, McDonald, yeah, McDonald's a probably a situational pass rusher as a rookie only, mm-hmm. and this, this team can't afford um the selection in this yeah. spot. So Kincaid going 21 to the Chargers. It's a bold call <laughs> for. Okay, so there's layers to this. One, the best tight end in the draft is still sitting there. The best tight end in most drafts. You put Michael Mayer in like 80%. He's the best tight end in like 80% of NFL drafts mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So let's just get that out of the way. Number two, Don Kincaid is turning 24 years old in October of his rookie season. I don't think he's going to be a great athlete at the Combine. I think he'll be a good one. And the Chargers have serious needs on defense and on offense. You could say wide receiver. You could say the line. You could say the front seven. You could say corner. We just did it. We just talked about them because they got knocked out of the playoffs and they were on last episode if you missed that one. I mean, am I being is am I using hyperbole to call this the most egregious pick of the entire mock draft? Because for me, it com- entirely was. Well, and they have Gerald Everett under contract. He's good. Year. He was really good this year. <laughs> I, I was th- so that should tell you like this isn't DJ you're insane. This is what does he know about the show? Yeah, and Dalton maybe. Kincaid. Well, he knows Dalton Kincaid's a good football player. Good He's stuff, DJ. Good, good stuff, DJ. Great eye. Love to see it. Totally agree. I think the you know, I think Dalton Kincaid could have gone higher, honestly. What okay, so is Dalton Kincaid that much better of a prospect than uh, Trey McBride was. He's a better receiver. Yeah. 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 And I think that matters more to teams. 
Where did McBride, did McBride get drafted? Like what? 53, something like that. 52. Yeah, right around there. 53, 52. I mean, like that's kind of where I figured, uh, donkey K was going to get drafted. Same until this 55 McBride. Mm, 55. I think we've All actually right. asked that exact question on this podcast before. So we should know that. that we, 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 we just um, we we're very flat circle on this show sometimes. Anthony Richardson, number twenty-two overall to the Baltimore Ravens. Well, I mean, I freaking love this. Yeah, I mean, look, if Lamar's not there, you gotta you gotta draft the quarterback at some point. So, and I I just want to say we don't have to talk too much about this because we've talked about it before. Um, DJ having Richardson in, not only in his first round mock but also at the back end of the first round to uh, to the Ravens, I think is it at least telling of where the nfl might believe richardson is so um 23 minnesota vikings tyree well, you also what the elephant in the room on this dj was in baltimore for how long oh right yeah and he has a quarterback going to the ravens the exact line is if contract talks don't pro- progress uh, progress in a positive direction in the coming months they could apply the franchise tag on the former mvp buying time for Richardson to eventually be ready to play. If the Ravens franchise tag Lamar Jackson, he, he won't play. play. He will not play. Game. He will not play. Which There's DJ no would way. never say, understandably. Right. He yeah, yeah. But he would he will he will he will not play. If they franchise tag him, they're trading him. Yeah. If they franchise tag him, they're trading him. He there's no way Lamar's playing on the tag. No way. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's a good call. Yeah, that was the the fire alarm in my brain. That's a good. No, that's a good call out. That's why you know. That's why you're here. You know, it actually is the reason I am here. <laughs> Minnesota Vikings. He has him going defense. That's uh, kind of an obvious. They have a massive corner need. I think in Minnesota, Tyreek Stevenson, the corner from Miami. Yeah, we haven't did talked you, about him yet. Did you watch him? A little bit. Okay. I did. did, I, did not, I have not watched him at all. Preliminary watch. I didn't see him as a first round player. I, I when. You know, when you look, we did our corner show. So I tried to get some eyes on him. Six foot 215. He's stacked. Yeah, he's a big guy. Um, I just didn't see him as a first round caliber cover player to me. To me. But Minnesota needs guys like this. And I mean, it's been corner, corner bonanza in this mock draft. So they like bigger corners. They always have, although they're going through defensive staff changes. But dude. Forbes, Gonzalez, uh, Porter, Stevenson, Witherspoon, Witherspoon are all gone. Yeah. Oh, kind of fascinating. I know we've soured on him. I have not soured on the point where I'm taking Tyreek Stevenson over Keely Ringo. Yeah, I think that I think the the Keely Ringo point that I knew we were going to make at some point because he's not in this first mock first round mock. Just a spoiler alert for everybody, which goes to show you what the league might think of Keely Ringo. The pros for Keely is the size, the speed, the strength combinations that he has. The cons that we talked about in our cornerback episode, which you guys can go listen to if you missed it, is he feels out of control. Like he does not feel like a anticipator he feels like a reactor a lot and he can get away with it because in college he is that big and fast and strong compared to a lot of other wide receivers in the nfl you don't get that luxury if you are not anticipatory with with how you move and how how you go about your job as a corner you're gonna get fried i don't care how big how fast you are so even though Keely Ringo may not have like a ton of flaws that being his flaw is something that could be a major red flag in his scouting report or where NFL teams are going to draft him. Cause they're just not going to take a chance in a corner who does not react well, who does not anticipate things the way that you need to. Cause there's just no margin for error for things like that. When you get to the league. So I, I, I I'm glad you brought that up because it is important with him not being on this first round mock. Yeah, it was. And no cam Smith as well. Who we've mm-hmm. talked about a lot. I, I I'm pretty Didn't sure it was cam. you that said this. I am worried about how he's going to test. I, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not drafting Cam in the first round, man. Yeah, I, I am a little. Uh, yeah. He's a good corner. He's a good corner, but I think he's a, I think he's a CB two at best. Still at taking best. him over Tyreek Stevenson, but oh, I didn't watch Tyreek Stevenson. So we'll I get there. So twenty four, uh, a plus 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 pick. The Jacksonville Jaguars take Michael Mayer. I mean, even if yeah. you bring back Evan Ingram. 
these two would just be peanut butter and jelly at tight end. Oh. Though how different they are. Agreed. I agree 100%. And I also give an A++ to the next pick, the New York Giants taking Jordan Addison. Oh, Jordan Addison. I freaking love it. Such a good pick. You know who else is not in this first round mock? Quinn Johnson. Yes. Yes, who... He's not in this mock. Not in this mock at all is definitely a surprise. Mm-hmm. I don't think the leagues. I don't think the leagues as high as Quint, on Quinn Johnson as as other people are. I think and, the league does not like this wide receiver group. I I agree with that. First, first wide receiver is not coming off the board in the top twenty. I don't think. Certainly not as it stands today. I just don't think it's happening. Quinn Johnson. There. I mean, there are concerns there about separating consistently and running well. But they're not being the first. Yeah, a little surprising. But love the Addison pick. I mean, if Jordan Addison ends up being the first wide receiver taken, it feels very in that mold of guys that have gone early, like Garrett Wilson and Devontae Smith, right? Where, and neither of those guys were the first wide receiver taken in their draft class, but you get Mm -hmm. the point. They're light. They're not physically imposing when they walk in the room, but they do everything right at the position. They are polished route runners. They are quick in and out of their cuts. They release off the line of scrimmage. They catch the football in traffic. They catch the football in the air with hang time and balance and footwork. That is when you don't when you don't know, those are the things you default to of why the guy will be the first wide receiver taken in the draft. And that's Addison. Who's after Addison? Uh oh, Felix on DK Uzoma. Let's go, my dude. My guy, Felix Onodike Azoma, the edge rusher out of Kansas. He's got Kansas State. He's got him going to the Dallas Cowboys, which um, I think the Cowboys are kind of good on the defensive line. I thought that until I saw them against San Francisco. And oh, they're still good. San Francisco's O line is good. If but I get, yeah, but you got to win that game. You've lost seven straight divisional playoff games. You need to be thinking, what is the pieces to get us over? I still think they need wide receiver here instead, but yeah, yeah. they they still need more pass rush help. I, the other guys kind of slowed down at the end of the season. And the only thing I'll say is I actually expect bigger results from Sam Williams next year, which gives me mm-hmm. a little hope. Mm-hmm. This would have been wide receiver for me. Um, Same. You know what kind of interested me? The blurb calls him a power rusher. I thought Andy DK Zoma was a little bit more burst and bend. But I'll have to revisit him again. So I, I, I like Anadike Zuma. Where did I? Where did I have him? Did I? Did I coward out? Where did I have him in our edge? In our edge rush rankings? I, you didn't have him in your top five. I might have cowered it out. Hold on. Look. There's still time. We didn't do the final edge ranking show. No, we did. No, we did. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna coward out. God, I had him behind Tyree Wilson. I'm such a coward, dude. Wow. I'm such a coward. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that again. Jeez. God, I'm a coward. Ah, Bijan Robinson, 27 of the Buffalo Bills. Great pick. This is just so fun. If this happens, can you imagine the absolute onslaught, the war in dynasty drafts to get 1.1? to have B. John Robinson on your roster. It would be something to behold. Friendships, friends, friendships would end. Friendships would end. Friendships would end. Oh, man. It, it's the good stuff. There's, I mean, this is this move for the Bills. And I get it. The Bills have a lot of needs now with their free agency coming up. If they lose mm-hmm. Edmonds or Poyer, their O-line has some holes. But I don't know. I, I kind of like just being like, you know what, man? We're just more athletic and faster and more dangerous than you. Figure right. out the rest. I think this is also a uh, potential si- or Osiris Torrance spot if mm-hmm. he lasts this long because they could upgrade the interior Do- offensive line. But... I'd, I'd throw in Darnell Wright and Dewan Jones range starting sure. here. I yeah. like Darnell Wright more than what I've seen from Dewan Jones, but Me too. Uh, I agree with that. The Cincinnati Bengals at 28. He hasn't taken Darnell Washington. I mean... It's hard to find any landing spot for Darnell Washington to go, ooh, don't like that. I mean, he's an alien-sized tight end that brings you a sixth offensive lineman and gives you some receiving ability. Literally every team in the NFL would be a great fit for Darnell Washington. It just depends on how much 
you prioritize using the tight end in the passing game or multi-tight end sets? Is it going to be the guy who's going to be for sure your tight end one? Are you going to have more of a receiving tight end as tight end one? What are you going to do there? So every team in the NFL could use Darnell Washington, but Joe Burrow in that offense certainly could have a lot of fun with him. I, I, I really like this spot, though, specifically because Zach Taylor loves to stick to the ground game with Joe Mixon. It helps there when their offensive line goes through those spurts of being disastrous at times, which it has because of injury or whatever it is, you stick his ass on the line of scrimmage and make him a personal protector for Joe Burrow as a sixth man. And I think this offense would get the most out of him as a receiver because there's so much attention dedicated to T Higgins and Jamar chase and Hayden Hurst. And I, this is a really fun landing spot for Darnell Washington. Yep. We got BJ Ojolari in this draft getting with, to the Denver Broncos at number 29, which is great. We were shouting out how much we like BJ Ojolari in this edge yeah, rush clash. Top five edge for me. Yeah, I think I had him at five as well. Um, well, everybody moved up because Verse went back to school. I know. Yeah, that's very true. Brian Brzee, 30 to the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the lowest that I think I've seen Brzee in any mock draft. Oh, him by going far. To, him going to the Chiefs. Man. Yeah, this feels like one of those that when it happens, everybody's like, of course the Chiefs just had Brian Brzee falling. Well, that's how life. I felt last year with them getting Carl Loftus. True. I didn't, but true. Because you thought Carl Loftus was going to go later? I thought he was okay. I I, I was I liked Carl Loftus, but it, it didn't yeah, scare Yeah, I, like, I liked him better. Than when you they did. got him, I wasn't like, oh, great. Really? This is the kind of pick where I'm like, Brian Brzee next to Chris Jones? Yeah, nasty. We let this happen? Yeah, I think that'd be pretty nasty. Brian Brzee, definitely not a finished product. I mean, he definitely has no. the ways to go. Um, but I, him next to Chris Jones would be hilarious. It's just a lot of athleticism, the, a lot of good talent on the defensive line. The next pick is is maximum trolling in a way that I appreciate so much. Because it's not trolling in a sense where, like, this wouldn't happen. But it would be so funny. If the Eagles take Jackson Smith and Jigba. So funny. We AJ would be, Brown, Devontae we Smith, nearing, Dallas Goddard. We would be nearing the uh you're not allowed to play with the Eagles unspoken rule in Madden. Territory. 100%. That's, that's what it feels like we would be nearing. 100%. I, certainly, it's just... The Eagles coming in this draft, coming away with Miles Murphy on the defense side at number 10 and the Jackson Smith, the Jigba at number 31. That would be one hell of a haul for um, what could be the future Super Bowl champions. I, I love it. I love it. It's um, it's because then you're setting yourself up, right, where you're, you have a pipeline of wide receivers mm -hmm. where, you know, A.J. Brown's contract, and he's so good that you don't ever want to get into these discussions, but by nature, when you see a pick like this, you do. All right, so A.J. Brown is going to be there his entire contract because it's set up where there's void years starting in 2027. You can't really cut him at any point of the contract, which is very interesting. You don't see that in NFL contracts often. Um, he is going to be there his entire 20s. He's not a free agent until he's 30 in 2027. The contract's not cuttable. So I guess if you did that selection, in my opinion, unless you're just incredibly lucky somewhere with an extension, you're letting Devontae Smith walk after this fifth-year option in 2025, right? I think that's kind of just too far down the line anyways. Like, we don't know. We don't even know. What yeah, the, you're probably the thinking like, hey, be. we can win the Super Bowl the next three years no matter yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. Like Jackson that, Smith and it, it all just depends on where their window is at that point, what they think. I mean, it's doesn't look to be going away anytime no, soon. No, it's wide open right now. Shout out to Daniel Jeremiah, man. One of the best in the business. Putting out a lot of really great information, yeah, great a lot box. of really great insider stuff. Uh, one of the best scouting eyes that we have, man. DJ is just not only one of the best at his craft, but also one of the best dudes. And so um, we appreciate him letting us kind of pick apart a mock draft here. We Hopefully, didn't ask, though. I want to be fair. Sorry, if you are offended, DJ, sorry. We did not ask, but we did it anyway. DJ, DJ, we love you if you're listening to this podcast. Um, truly, he's he's one of my favorite guys in this business. Absolutely love uh, reading all of his work. And um, yeah, I, I just enjoy, like you said at the very top of the podcast, learning other perspectives. You know, we love to 
make sure that we're doing our own thing and we have our own voice here on this show, but it's a lot of fun looking outside to especially the names in, in this industry that we really respect. And, and a mock draft is just a really good way to get some good conversations going. So um, hopefully, hopefully you all felt that way as well. If you're listening to this show and you got some takes on DJ's mock or even takes on our takes on DJ's mock, takes let us takes takes. let us know in the comment section on YouTube. If you guys are watching this bad boy on YouTube, uh, if you are not, if you're just audio only people, you can hit us up on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey at Connor J Rogers. You can hit us up on Instagram as well. We will be sure to uh, answer all of your takes, read them, um, give you some feedback and make sure that this feels like a full-time draft community. Before we get out of here, I got to talk to you about our friends over at DraftKings. There's only four NFL teams left, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big in the NFL playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly if you're not a new customer you can feel the conference championship thrills with these stepped up same game parlays take your shot at an even bigger nfl payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100 percent i've been loving DraftKings since they became sports betting became legal in ohio it's been a lot of fun it's been my go-to for sure download the DraftKings sportsbook app and use the promo code pff new customers bet just five dollars on the conference championships any bet and you get 200 dollars in free bets instantly only DraftKings sportsbook Using the promo code PFF, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, the defensive tackle ranking show might be a little bit later in the week than it normally is, which Connor is learning for the first time, but I just thought yeah, about I it as we were ending this podcast. <laughs> Uh, but I was literally just thinking about my schedule and I'm like, oh shoot, I might not be able to, uh, watch all these guys by this point. So we will have an interior defensive line ranking episode, but it just might be a little bit later in the week. We'll, we will be sure to have one more episode for you. It'll be coming later this week. So I just want people to look out for Friday morning. It'll be out or Thursday night. What do we, uh, probably Friday morning probably is Friday morning. I think it's a good target. Good target. I'm with you on that. Other other than being blindsided by our plans here on this podcast, uh, you got anything else to say before we get out of here? I'm just really enjoying the shows because it's just it, there's so much layered draft talk, and mm-hmm. sometimes before we start doing it, like back in November and December, I'm like, man, how much do people can people really consume just us BSing about the draft? And then I go <laughs> see the shows on YouTube, and they're eight times as popular as our shows from actual football season. So I. I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, it never gets old to me. I know it never gets old to you. If you're new listening to this podcast, welcome. We have a lot of fun. We do a lot of BSing. We talk about the draft way too much. and Or no, sometimes the comments tell us way too little when we get off track. You just never know what you're going to get in a day. So, man, I'm, I'm having a good time. I, I really am. And I know it happens every year. You're going to blink, and it's we're going to be at the combine. To, well, we're going to be at the Senior Bowl together, and then we're going to be at the combine together. And then it's going to be the draft weekend, and then it all starts over again, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, we we are we're having a blast here on the show. Hopefully, you guys are having a blast uh, listening to us, making us a go-to spot for you. We know there's a million places where you can get draft content, so we really appreciate you guys coming back to us, being a part of our draft community. Like we said, let us know what you thought of this episode and just any draft takes at all in the YouTube comment section. It's a great way to just get in on the show. We read all of those things. We love reading the theories, what this team should do, what that team should do, all of the rankings, what you guys think of prospects. This is the place to do it. If you were looking for a draft community, you definitely found it. I'm Trevor Sykema. That's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We will see you one more time later this week. Until then, have a good one, guys.